Hello and welcome. Thank you for joining us for another episode. We've got an amazing guest today, somebody that I've been fortunate enough to see three times, possibly four. I'm still, jury's still out on on the number there. Times in concert, been fortunate enough to take my son to go see him once. Um, He's a rapper, producer, podcaster, and cartoonist. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Whithop himself, MC Lars. Lars, thank you for joining us. I really appreciate this. This is like awesome for me. Um, Thank you, Jeff. Thank you for the nice introduction. Yeah. I appreciate that. I wanted to go like really like deep in it. I'm like, I'm not going to do it justice. (laughs) I'm usually, I'm like, I can really hype it, you know, really build up the the hype. And I'm like, nah, this talk will do it enough. I won't need it. So this conversation. I feel pretty hyped right now. There you go. You you got me hyped up. There we go. (laughs) Oh my gosh. This is amazing. So I think I've told you the story one of the times you came through town. I was first introduced to you back when podcasting was still kind of, I would say it's, it was still fairly new. It was like 07-ish. Um, I was listening. It was back when Blink went on their first hiatus. Um, and Mark Hoppus was doing a podcast called Hi, My Name is Mark. To which he then started a whole branding thing with it. And he had you on as a guest. And I mean, it's two, like I said, 2006, 07, somewhere in there. Yeah. And I remember that. And I was like, and I, I want to say he played uh download. The song was the track. I think he played. Um, and I'm like, this is really good. And I, I was like, this is really good. Not only does it have a good beat, good hook. And it's very um, like one you could put on repeat. I was like, I got to look out more. So, I, you know, in 06, the internet was the internet, but nothing like it is now. So it took a little more time. You actually had to download the songs. Um, yeah. Because <laughs> the, you know, the albums were a little bit um, hard to come by then. So, yeah. And I'm like, I love this. And so I like started listening to everything and then just been following you through the course of your career. And it's been amazing. And so much so I've been able to introduce my son to your music and his, you cover such a wide gap of not only pop culture, but also literary um, authors such as Edgar Allan Poe and Shakespeare and just going through. And I guess it'd be like you, if you hadn't read any of their work, the introduction, your music is like an, a great introduction to um to those authors and their in their work so they can if they like your music then they can pursue it you know want to look at it more they can go in and start reading the books as well and i thought that was awesome and so i ended up york and i were at a bookstore and i found the uh they had the who is or what was series and i got him mm-hmm. the who who was edgar Allan poe and so i got him that one he started reading it so and got his introduction in that. So I thought that was amazing. Awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. And so I guess to kind of just real start off uh, real quick for that, uh, for those that don't know you, you went to college at Stanford, correct? And yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So what did you study there when you were there? So I was an English major. Okay. Um, and my focus was on like, 19th century American literature. Um, 
I did an overseas program in Oxford as part of my undergrad. And that's where I was rapping about Shakespeare and stuff in the clubs there, like in 2003. And that's where I first got signed to like an indie label. And that led to a bunch of things that like allowed me to do this for 18 years. But like you said, entry point was the literature, rapping about literature, because I was taken by how the meter and the flow connects with hip hop. And that's something that I've experimented with different genres and rapped about technology and rapped about now I'm rapping about blockchain and crypto, Mm -hmm. but literature is something that's timeless. And that's really been like the cornerstone of, I think what I do. And it started in college and it was a complete accident. You know what I mean? That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. It's pretty awesome. That is awesome. I mean, if there's any way, and if there's any place to kind of do that, I I guess Oxford would be a good place. Um, doing that because they know all about iambic pentameter and and all that he invented it yes um (laughs) i took a because i was going for a english minor in college uh creative writing though but i had to have a 500 level or like a graduate level class for whatever reason um in order to get my minor so i ended up uh taking a shakespeare class i'm like i'll take i like shakespeare yeah i'll i mean you know won't be too bad I'll, and i'll learn a lot more and it ended up being the hardest class next to pretty much any math class i took oh wow in college but because it i mean most of the people in there were taking it for graduate school and i was still an undergrad and just needed it for a minor so but what made it hard though like memorizing names and stuff or? um between names i still was having a hard time with just the the language and like i I enjoyed Shakespeare, but it didn't mean I fully understood it um, yeah. in the way that, you know, so when we talk about, you know, when someone I'm trying to talk about it, I'm really ha- like, I'm having to use some of those, like, not idiots guides, but something like similar to that, where I'm really yeah. had to kind of help to help me kind of get fill in the gaps, I guess, where I'm missing it. And, um, and I talked about this um, with, <laughs> with one of my friends that I had to watch uh, one of the assignments that we had was and write a paper, write a lengthy paper on was I had to compare and contrast the two different uh, Hamlet movies and mm. um, between the Kenneth Branagh, Mel Gibson version and the, and the uh, Ethan Hawke version that was out. I was like, mm. and then how those two differ from the, basically the two of those movies and how they differ from the, original literature and then so that turned out to be uh it was very interesting and i did all right i actually got to be in the class surprise i like i surprised myself but i i because i pushed myself to kind of understand and kind of get like i love the rhythm i love how it's delivered i love how there's you know the flow of it and everything and this like shakespeare snarkiness is really kind of what i kind of um identify with i guess yeah and yeah, uh yeah. it's just i'm like this guy is very witty and but you, if you don't understand it it takes a little bit a little bit harder to get but i i really that's kind of where i kind of uh kind of attached to and relate to shakespeare there so so what what do you remember any of the differences between like specifically the two oh movies? god um so well time period so the ethan hawk one's an updated version i think it's been years since I've watched it. It's, like contemporary. Um, it's a lot more contemporary. It's like the son of a 
Like he's taking over a business empire and not a. Oh, really? Yeah, not a kingdom per se. Is it the script or do they? Is it like? God, I think it. I'm trying to remember, so don't hold me to it. But I, I want to say it was still in the same vernacular. Is just the scene and the costumes and everything else was just more updated, and, um, I guess when they refer to king like kingdoms and stuff, it's more of his business empire, so to speak. Yeah. Instead of uh, an actual empire. Um, but it was, yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been 20 plus years at this point, but, um, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff, what I, what I love about Shakespeare is that like any retelling of him Mm -hmm. is actually a retelling of the time that you're in. Right. So like, yeah, like, like that's what was interesting about the, uh, Romeo and Juliet, um, Baz Luhrmann's Mm -hmm. Romeo and Juliet, because it was like the whole flashy over the top consumer driven like late 90s right mm-hmm. that was like yeah. reflecting that and and the macbeth movie that polanski made was kind of his way of processing the murder of his wife and his kid mm-hmm. taped by the manson yeah. family like it was right. his catharsis so it's like every time shakespeare's redone he's so timeless and yeah. it, and so that's a really interesting paper because like it says a lot not just about the bard but about how right. popular culture remixes him and i think that's what i love about hip-hop because it's the retelling of the stories from the past and you can tell within hip hop like what year it's usually from by what mm-hmm. it sounds like what it references and so it's really interesting to me like you're someone who appreciates ideas and culture mm-hmm. right it's like mm-hmm. like that's why literature and hip hop were so connected for me and why I'm such a fan of um merging the two and why Shakespeare I think is awesome but like there's infinite inspiration in his work even though it can be hard to access. Like you're saying, mm-hmm. I like making stuff like make sense in a way that's fun. And then kids email me, Oh, I, I learned your, your Hamlet song and I got an A on my paper. That's like, that's awesome. That's like yeah. the best review I could get, yeah. you know? <laughs> well, and I'm trying to, <laughs> because uh, for the, I mean, most people that, uh, that know me or always listen to, um, listen to the, my other po- the movie podcast that I do. They they know I'm I'm in charge. Well, not in charge. I am one of several parents that are a part of a carpool this year for my son because he goes to a magnet school that is further away than just right down the road. And so we all have to we all chip in. So it's my son um, and two other kids, and they're so I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna we play. They was one uh one of them wanted to listen to Weird Al on the way in one day. I said awesome. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's put some yeah. weird Al on. I go. So they like weird Al. They're going to love MCLRs. I'm going to go. I said, I'm going to, so I'm going to go, I'm going to go and introduce them to something new next time. So and then, uh, so I, I, uh, so next time I had carpool two weeks later, I'm like, all right, I got this. So I had, I already had my playlist pulled up, ready to go. Yeah. My son gets in, he's barely awake. Um, the other ones back there just kind of on his phone, and then uh, the third one that rides up front with me, she's she's always interested, but I'm trying not to turn up too loud because they're yeah. still trying to wake up. But I'm like, all right, we're still right, going right. to. I'm like, <laughs> maybe morning is not the best time to be trying to get get you know, get hyped up and get, you know, have I said, but I said, but you know what? I'm going to turn it up enough that they're going to be be interested and they're going to listen to it and <laughs> and hopefully ask questions. I'm like, I need to So my my goal is to I need to do this in the afternoon when they're you know ready to leave and it's not in their 
Right, right. And you know, they're more tuned, no pun intended. <laughs> but uh I said, but we'll do that then. I'm like, all right, so we're gonna get this done. I'm like, they're gonna be I said they're gonna love it. I know they're gonna love right. it because it'll be right up their alley. So it's it's you know, it's smart. It's, you know, I also I also kind of refer to some of it as like smart kid rap too, because it's like this is perfect, it's right up their alley. They love to read, they love they're interested in these things, but they also love pop culture, which is also great because it also mixes in with other parts um, with other tracks that you do. So I'm like, all right, this will be great. And we're going to be all set. And so now I'm just, you know, I'm just doing the whole, my, the yes, I'm just like, my time will come and I cannot wait. Good. That's a good job. <laughs> you know, it's, you know, it's interesting. It's like what I've learned in the 20 years doing this mm-hmm. is that like context and people's susceptibility means is much more important than the actual art itself. Like yeah. you hear me on Hoppus's podcast. Yeah. yeah is you're open because you trust his taste. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and someone like weird Al has such a critical mass and people all know the songs he parodies. So like Mm -hmm. people are automatically receptive to him because musically it's so tight, like nerdcore, anything like that. Mm -hmm. It has to have the right entry point. Kids have to be like, something has to grab them. Then they have to be like, Oh, that's tight. I I like that one thing about it because I think that it's hard to be like, yo, listen to this Hamlet rap. People are gonna be like, what? Like, uh, like this? That sounds ho- like a horrible idea. Right. <laughs> it's like, you know what I'm uh, why should I? Like, maybe because yeah. isn't it annoying? Don't, don't yeah. you think like the most annoying thing in the world is like people when people text you YouTube videos or TikTok videos and you're like busy. You're like, I really don't care about this. And you have to be in the right mood, <laughs> right? You know what yeah, I mean? yeah. It's so annoying. Oh yeah. Unless you love them and you trust them and they're like yeah. family and you you know they're sending you good stuff. Right. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, because I'm like. Because I, I always tell people I'm too old for TikTok. <laughs> like, uh, I'm sorry, yeah. I'm sorry, I can't. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm sorry, I'm too old. Like, I don't do TikTok. <laughs> and my wife watches them because that's and that's kind of one of those things, you know, from last year. Everybody found had to find something to I, bring them joy, give them hope. You know, something that yeah. everything's going to be getting better at some point. For me, I never. I don't know if it just says what it says about me, but I, I mean, there's, you know, we all had our times where we're just like, God, this, I don't know what, what's going on, but you know, I always, I'm always just filled with hope. Cause I always, believe, I always believe the best in people. So therefore I always can kind of keep a more positive attitude towards things. And I think for me doing this podcast and doing the other one, is what helped get me through things because I knew I had to watch things mm. in order to, you know, I had stayed distracted. For my wife, it was TikTok. For that's okay. she didn't do any. She didn't. She has never posted one, but that's what gets her through. Yeah. And you know, just that watching funny things and different silly videos. And then I've got a couple of friends that'll send me videos, but I, I'm like, but they also know I'm not that I'm not on it. So I'm like, all right. So they send me a text message. It has to open up in Safari and then. <laughs> like I have to watch it that oh, way. Like, yeah. I was like, I'm still not getting it. Sorry. It, it, I'll it watch it and be, then I'm done. <laughs> it has to be, it has to be like the best thing ever. Right? Yeah. And a couple <laughs> more, uh, yeah. uh, like my wife sent me one the other day. It was a TikTok video that's of a comedian doing stand up. And he says, uh, he went somewhere. He gone somewhere. They asked for his vaccination card and he pulled out his library card. He says, this is, this is your library card. That's not a vaccination card. He goes, it kind of is actually. And then, you know, <laughs> just let that hit. Like if yeah. you're, if you're using your library card, you're 
more than likely probably vaccinated. <laughs> like, that's okay. <laughs> I, I was like, you know what? That's pretty, that's genius writing right there. I said, whenever he yeah. came up with that idea, that, that he's like, that's a good one. I got that one. He so. must hang out at library. Whoever wrote that must hang out at libraries. Right. Well, and that's one of the things I had missed was going to the library. And that's where I would go and check out movies. Cause it's the closest thing I could get to still going to Blockbuster okay. <laughs> was going to the yeah. library. And, yeah. and the National Public Library has a huge, uh, they've got like, I want to say 11 or 12 branches throughout the city. So if you can't find it at your local one, you just reserve it and they'll send it to yours. Um, but I love going there to find movies either. I haven't like old movies that I haven't seen. And I'm trying to get better educated on or just uh, or newer ones that I didn't, you know, just hadn't seen and missed or whatever. And same thing for my son, you know, go take both kids, go check out their books. But after lockdown, I didn't, I hadn't done that. It was, I want to say May of this year, the first time I, I'd been back, but um, oh, wow. we're big fans of the, of the library here. So our people, That's what's up. so shout out to and librarians. I, my mom, and, my mom's yeah. A librarian. Yeah. My, and my mom's a teacher, former librarian and uh, a computer teacher. And my brother's a <laughs> elementary school teacher. So there you go. That's what's up. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's, I'm kind of rambling, which happens. Um, so new, let's get to it. New album dropping December 17th. Very excited. Very, very excited. Um, Thanks, Jeff. Yes. Fear of a Blockchain Planet. Tell me about it, man. Yeah, that, yeah that's the single. The single is Fear oh, okay. of a Blockchain Sorry. Planet. Um, and no, the it's album's because, Yeah, the album's Blockchain Planet, but the original title is funny you mentioned that. It was Fear of a Blockchain Planet. Okay. And there's a funny story like... Um, you know, it was around the time of the Chauvin verdict and everything. And it was mm-hmm. like definitely a stressful time. And that's my album was a tribute to public enemies fear of a black planet. Yeah. And I thought about it and I talked to some people and I was like, maybe I shouldn't call the record that because it kind of, um, kind of trivializes the message of the important message of public enemy back in the eighties and nineties. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's why I changed the title of it. But but I reached out to Public Enemy to see if I could use the original title. And I knew some, their publicist. Mm-hmm. And she got me in touch with their manager. And I tweeted Chuck D. And they didn't say anything. And the day after I announced that I was calling the album Blockchain Planet, mm-hmm. on the Public Enemy Instagram, they, they, tweet, they posted fear of a blockchain planet. So <laughs> it had to have been, someone must have seen it or it was just the weirdest coincidence ever. That's you know awesome. I mean? Yeah. So. So that's so that's the, that's the origin that's, story there. Hey, I'll take it, right? <laughs> like it's like I'll, yeah. I'll, that's that's like you can now put yourself in canon with uh with uh, public enemy. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's like, maybe I'm yeah, not like canon. they they they've heard they maybe saw my tweet or they their, their manager asked them and um, yeah because yeah the the album. I mean, there's so much to talk about, but like I, web 3.0 is this idea of like the decentralized web, right? That's mm-hmm. what blockchain is. The idea that you don't have a central place from which like social media and the internet it shares information. And I think that's liberating because it allows people to, to exchange ideas more freely, exchange money more freely. It ex- escapes a lot of the like antiquated financial systems that have like led to things like the recession and mm-hmm you know, a lot of, a lot of things. And it's like, it's definitely a political album title because, but I yeah. see it as being empowering and um, in 
tribute to public enemies like vision of yeah. of equality and and sovereign um autonomy but mm-hmm. i don't know it's interesting because with being a guest in hip-hop culture i have to be careful about the the black story that i'm like paying tribute to because it's not right. my story so exactly. that's a constant thing so that's why i decided to change the album title um but okay. keep it as the single name okay there you go that works <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that's awesome i because i'm i'm like I'm one of those people. I'm like, I know, I feel like I know what blockchain is. Cause I feel like I've listened to enough audiobooks. I should know it by now, but yet at the same time, I'm like, man, I'm just having a day where I'm not remembering, <laughs> like, you know, how some days you just like, I know this, but for some reason I'm not knowing it today. I'll know it. Oh. Yes. I know it. I knew it yesterday. I know I'll know it tomorrow, but today's not going to be that day. And that's kind of how it was when I was listening to the album the past few days, actually. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I was like, I need to do more research. And like, and that's what I like too, because things that, especially nerdcore, because, um, like you, um, Megaran, and uh, like MC Friend a lot. I mean, all y'all, the entire, the entire um, sub. I don't know. Is it? A, would you consider um, nerdcore a subgenre or just a genre? Uh, you... Yeah, no, I would I would consider it like a subgenre okay. of a subgenre, like a there subgenre of alternative rap, which is a subgenre of hip hop. <laughs> okay. I want to <laughs> yeah. basically I didn't want to get it wrong. But no, that's good. You know, I, I learned, you know, I, I find that I learn things whenever I listen, which I always think is awesome because that's you know, just gives more credit to the you know to the author that's creating the work that I'm like, hey, you're making people think, or you're making people want to um well, just think and then want to learn more. And that's what I find yeah. with your music and with the others that I learn more things and uh, that I want to look into more. So like, like once, like yes. I need to, I was like, I need to look more into that. But um, and then like uh, you've got a track called finite chest about a book I've never heard of. And I felt, I was like, I feel, am I supposed to know this book? I feel like I'm supposed <laughs> to know this. You know, it's one of those. I'm like, yeah. Maybe maybe not. Maybe I'm not as in tune to pop culture as I would you know would like to think I am. But I'm like I don't know this book. I'm like I'm gonna have to admit this whenever I talk to him. I don't know this book, but I love the track though. The Thank track's you. got a great hook, and then <laughs> and then I just wait. This is a chorus that he does. I'm like it already been stuck in my head. Um, yeah. Yesterday and today, I was like I want to start singing that to York. Thanks for <laughs> I saw you retweeted my tweet about the uh Vice documentary on this yeah. song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um yeah. It's cool how timeless that song is. I'd wanted to do something with that chorus for years and we just had re-recorded it for the 20th anniversary of the album. Mm-hmm. So luckily we were able to sample that and clear it with the publishing company and not have to involve the label. And so it was like this their their recreation of the song is so perfect that it was like an example of yeah, like great, a great um, circumstance where Brandon from Weedis had re-recorded it and he yeah. was down with it. He liked it. He's a fan of David Foster Wallace. And um, we're do, actually doing a video for that song. And oh, sweet. I, it's like, I'm really proud of how that song came out. The Infinite Jest yeah. is interesting because we could talk about that for the for the rest <laughs> of this, but but it's it's a very dense book that's very hard to follow. It's based on Hamlet, speaking of Hamlet. Okay, yeah. And, I mean, you're like, so 
in summer, it's pretty much Hamlet. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that's what I was like, cool. I know that one. <laughs> yeah, it's a retelling of Hamlet. And, and it's very like, but it's one of those books that's singularly not, like notorious for being very difficult. And like, like, like 20% of it is footnotes. So you're flipping back and it's nonlinear and it's a very interesting story, but it's about addiction to screens. And I think that it's such a perfect uh, allegory for quarantine times yeah. and like we were talking about tiktok and everything and mm-hmm. this uh, just addiction and um family and all these things that really resonated with me during covid that were this i feel like timeless themes so yeah i'm proud of that song i know it's it's very like cerebral um but i think that like if i'm not ra- rapping about like really difficult literature I, i'm not doing my job you know <laughs> <laughs> true story <Yeah>. true story <laughs> <laughs> I do for the record though, I do yeah. I, I do recommend the book. It's it's yeah. I think it's probably my favorite book. And it's it's um it's like it took me like months to read, mm-hmm. but it's great. It's it's really it's, Foster Wallace it's, is a great writer. Were, were you uh taking notes? <laughs> like, okay, I'm gonna remember this oh, for yeah, like... <laughs> man. I it's actually one of those things where like I read it with this companion book by this guy, yeah, Greg Carlisle. Go. Uh-huh. That's that's called Elegant Complexity. I actually had him on my old podcast, and he's a professor in Kentucky who wrote a book on how to like understand infinite Jess a synopsis of it. And it's, it's a great companion piece. Um, okay. but that's the only way I could get through it. Cause it's really <laughs> confusing. There's hundreds yeah. of characters. I mean, there's a whole subreddit on like dedicated to how difficult the book is. It's wow. one of those. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm like, yeah. Mm, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I got that kind of time. <laughs> no, but I mean, yeah. What happened? Yeah. What ha- yeah. It, I, uh, I I I wouldn't have time now to read. Right. It, yes. Father. It was yes. Pre parent undertaking. Yes. One of those and books that's kind of like, yeah, it's almost like indulgent to even endeavor to read it because it's like, who books are great, but like reading a book like that is like like learning to deadlift in the Olympics. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> she might so, be able to use that book to deadlift in the Olympics. <laughs> hey. Yeah. Seriously. Oh gosh. That's. Funny. that's a, that's awesome. Um, I like how. Oh, it, oh go ahead, Jeff. Go, to answer yeah. your no, you you were like yeah. talking about how trying to understand blockchain. The easiest mm-hmm. way to understand it is to think about Napster, right? Remember Napster twenty <laughs> years ago? Remember getting kicked off of there? <laughs> yeah, like 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 the fact that a file would be stored on multiple computers. This chain of computers would make it so you couldn't shut it down because it's this chain, this this block chain of networks sharing music. And therefore it was decentralized. So it's based on that idea that like we're sharing proof of, of money, Bitcoin specifically, where it's Mm -hmm. the hashing power and being able to uh, do all these, these calculations to confirm that it's actual money and that it's agreed upon store value. You know, there are all these protocols Mm -hmm. with the internet that didn't have a financial um, store value. And that's where blockchain kind of, changed things like 10 years ago by letting people be like, okay, well, this proves that you sent this much money because these two computers have a consensus protocol and that's blockchain. If that makes sense. It's just like how computers talk to share value. Okay. Decentralized web. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. Simple. uh, Was it uh, exactly. Which I'm trying to remember. I think it's, um, did you watch the uh, documentary on Netflix, the social dilemma? Yeah, that was great. Yeah, that was amazing. Uh, I think they kind of went to that like very little, but you know, to kind of give an idea um, about basically between the how the influencing of 
you know, uh, social media and somehow worked in, you know, that like crypto into that as well and tried to do a little animated thing to help kind of get, I'm like, this is what I need. I need more animation, like I need more animation to kind of under, or at least more visual to help me understand those type of things. Cause I think, um, cause I have, I have a friend that's trying yeah. to, he's, uh, he's older, but he's wanting to, he's trying to understand what crypto is. I'm like, don't, I'm not your person. I said, <laughs> I said, I'm not your person. I would give you the wrong information. So he talks to one of our other coworkers, but I'm like, if that's something you want, he, cause he's trying to decide if he's going to, if he's wanting to like invest in it and invest do it. that. I'm like, man, the, I, I was like, I, I said, Bob, I just got around to getting cash app and, and Venmo <laughs> this year. Okay. Yeah. And it was, and it wasn't out of because I wanted to, it was because I had, you know, it was more of a had to thing, not a, not a wanted to thing. So I, I would say, Jeff, I mean, my, my, my the, the two things you mentioned. So like social media and like Twitter mm-hmm. and everything that's mm-hmm. web 2.0, which right. is where you have like these centralized networks sharing how people mm-hmm. are interacting web 3.0 is that you eliminate that middle person and things are shared between the networks themselves, between the computers, not with these centralized like facilitators, which can mm-hmm. censor and be platform people. So Bitcoin is a store of value and there's like other ways you can like host apps in the permaweb. But the, but the real thing about investing in cryptos, you just have to be patient and put a little bit a month because it fluctuates up and down. So if you put like $20 mm-hmm. a month into Bitcoin in a mm-hmm. year, you'll have they're usually probably twice that the value. If you just put a little bit at a time, that's, and that's the, I think all people need to know it just, mm-hmm. it's crazy, but you just have to like consistently invest in it in a way that you believe in. And it's exciting because it takes away the power structure that was that these Silicon Valley companies of the mm-hmm. early 21st century have like rested into their, their billionaire hands. And that's, what's all exciting right. about it. It's, it's, it's about liberation. I feel like of, of, <laughs> finance and culture and it's cool that's kind of why i wanted to make the record yeah yeah that's all i mean and (laughs) i love it and something i kind of just i don't know why it just now popped in my head that i like how at least in um some of your albums past you have at least one if not two songs i have um Speaking of crypto, move from crypto to cryptid (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. that's um, that was intentional by the way yeah the, the bigfoot thing Yes, because I, I like it. Uh, in that, now that you explained that, I'm like, oh, okay, now I see what he did there. Makes a lot more sense of why Bigfoot about left the bay. Yeah, I'm like, okay, yeah. it's like, okay, it's not literally about Bigfoot, but it's about, yeah, okay, I got it. Crypto, crypto. I, I'm getting he, on board. And he now. works at face in that song. He works at Facebook, so he's like, yeah, peace. yeah. And that's like <laughs> a purposeful. Yeah, that's yeah. true. You caught you yeah. caught that I, imagery. Good I work. got there. I got there. I got there. It was a process. <laughs> And uh, so one like in like uh, one of the songs that from your um, from your uh, uh, former albums, like Zombie T-Rex is still, I think, York's favorite song. And I love it, too. But hey, um, but yeah, it's like because I mean, everybody loves the screaming part. Yeah, <laughs> so it's like his favorite. And then I'm like, OK, we got Bigfoot in this one. And we also got uh, Cthulhu, Lou, which is not easy to say one time much less five times so but also in honor i did put one on there so everybody can see it um very cute that's yeah. awesome so i was like oh we'll name him woo for today <laughs> doesn't have a name that's but tight. now we'll just name him woo for today but yeah um so because one of the things i you know i was wondering is 
not only last year, but also this year, um, as far as one of the things I knew was going to happen when, as soon as everybody went to lockdown last year was that at least movie wise, we're going to have, we're going to see a flood of lockdown and pandemic movies. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, here we go. We're going to get, I'm already going to go ahead and write down about, <laughs> like, I'm going to start wa- working on working titles that are going to be used. And, <laughs> but also, and there's been some hits. Actually, there's been a lot of misses, but there's been a few that have been actually pretty solid um, that have come out of it. But um, one thing that, uh, one thing too was that I thought about, I wonder how basically all the various artists that I follow, not only in music, but also in in um, entertainment as far as movies, TV, com- stand-up comedy too, that all of this is going to affect because the entertainment mm. industry got hit just as hard as every other industry, if not in some ways harder. And I'm like, I can't wait to see what comes out. Basically when at the beginning of this year, one of the things I, I thought of was I can't wait to see what everybody's going to put out. And right. almost everybody I know, or at least not, I know everybody that I've followed has put out something new this year and that has mm. just done nothing but warm my heart because because uh, i mean because you've got a new album coming out mega Ran just had a new album come out yeah kfway dropped a new ep um i know a comedian friend of mine that we've had on our movie one jackie cation just put out a new stand-up and just you know and some some other people and then another one just uh that i know that we've had on worked on a got to work on a sitcom this year as a consultant consultant writer and i'm like this seeing this seeing all this happen is what makes this is what stuff like this is what brings me joy i mean obviously yeah kids but i mean outside of that seeing other people you know be able to come up with new material and then um and then see what comes out of it it just so yeah this is like the great booking for the year you know just to have your album come out as well um nice. but you know i the other thing was like this is very personal i mean it's probably your more personal album that you've had out because mm. i mean i would only can only assume it's because since since lockdown you've now become um a father and congratulations welcome to thank you welcome to the uh to the parenthood um I don't want to say team. I don't even know what that even means, but club, anyways, well, yeah, sure. Club. I don't know. Yeah, secret handshake. Club, yeah. <laughs> whatever, <laughs> whatever it is, you know, welcome yeah. to the dad joke. High fives. Thank you. There you go. Um, so, I mean, becoming a parent during the pandemic, I'm sure could not have been, obviously it was an optimal one. I mean, but, it, but I know it's also, it, faced its own different struggles for you as well Mm. um did any of that help facilitate your writing for this album or were you able to kind of incorporate some of those i don't want to say themes but we'll just say feelings and emotions into your writing and even just the music of it as well like what style and um let's say tone but Mm. um but you know what I mean? Uh, like instead of like an upbeat, like you have a more 
I want to say somber, but more chill um, track. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question, um, Jeff. I mean, I think that you, we were talking about this when you become a parent, you kind of get this mental upgrade as mm-hmm. a dad. And I heard people say that moms get, get it earlier when they're pregnant. But when you're a dad, when you first hold your kid and mm-hmm. smell them and like get the, get the oxytocin release in your brain from their head, like mm-hmm. you start thinking you're more, um, capable. And so I became really good at time management and I'd been on this grind where I do an album tour, do an album tour and just nonstop, just full time doing this. And we were fortunate to be able to stay with family who were helpful. So mm-hmm. I could do things like make the record. I, I started my um, master's in, um, in instructional science and technology through Cal oh, State cool. Monterey. So, okay. I, so I was able to start that. And I'd been meaning to go back to grad school forever. I started a side job doing, um, marketing for an internet startup, like a few hours a week, like doing all, being able to manage my time. And so that meant that music was like a release and I didn't second guess anything. And like, it made it really fun to make this record. There's a book by Malcolm Gladwell called Mm -hmm. Blink. And Mm -hmm. his thesis is kind of like your instinct. Your first instinct is 99% of the time is right. And I think that like, if you're, if you are not super busy and you're just sitting around trying to make an album, and you don't have like the pressure or it doesn't, it's not as like good. And it's not as like authentic. I think Axel Rose's the Chinese democracy guns and roses record is an example of that like not mm-hmm. to pick to, to like make fun of him, but like he All spent right. so long on it. He spent so much and it's definitely not the guns and roses record that people love. And I think that when, and when you've been touring forever, like making music forever, it's very easy to compare yourself to your past work and how right. people remember that. So I was like, I'm going to just, throw all that out. This is an album about the year. This is an album about how exciting web three is for me and, and how much I love being a dad and also making peace with, um, like it's a, like with the fact that, that, that music is not the most important thing in my life. Being a dad is now, but music still yeah. is really important. You know what exactly. I mean? Yes. So, so yeah, you feel me. So that was yeah. like, <laughs> That was why this record was such a joy to make. And I did the vocals with my friend Brad, who I had worked with a lot. And then my friend Richard did all the production mixing mm-hmm. and stuff. And um, it was just cool to have a smaller team. In the past, I've had like 20 people work on these records, but we really honed it in. And I think it's better for it. You know, less it's, is more. Exactly. I, yeah. I'm kind of a, <laughs> I, I've learned that as well. Um, sometimes, yeah, sometimes less is more and you get, you do because there's less voices. So, I mean, not that having a lot of input is, is bad, but when you have like your core people kind of give their best and you give your best, you, I mean, you get the best out of everyone and then you get a, just an amazing final project, I guess is a good way to put it. And, and it's also cheaper, man. When you're like, when you have like 30 true story. people, I mean, <laughs> your record, you pay them a lot. You know, I think like yeah. my team, like they uh, paying less people, more money is better because then they're more invested in it. I think, exactly. I don't know. Like it's also gotten cheaper to make records like the laptop EP with the Mr. Raven and I generation mm-hmm. and all those songs. That album is 18 years old this month. And that, and that record was expensive to make. You could make that record now for like a hundred dollars, the laptop, EP. you know? Yeah. Um, and well. so it's like, being more like technology makes that possible. You know what I mean? Right. 
Well, we also have come a long way in 18 years. I mean, if you think about what we were having to use, um, I mean, people can listen to this now on their phones. They would have had to have downloaded and onto MP3 player and, you know, and shoot, I had a, I had an, an 80 gig iPod that I, I cherished more than, more than like my car because I took that thing everywhere because that's huge. Yeah. And then like, I lost it for a spell and I, I mean, like a part of, I, I legit, and I felt horrible for thinking, for feeling this, but I seriously thought a part of me had let, you know, had gone too because 80 gigs, I, did you back it gigs. up? But did yeah, I mean, up? I had it, had most of it backed up on a laptop. Two years later, I'm going through a tub and I found it. I don't even know when oh, I, wow. no, 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 it was through, I was in, a, it was like a coat or something. I randomly came across it and um, uh, yeah, I mean, I had to find a cord for it, but yeah, it still kind of worked, but it was, yeah, it was amazing. That's what's up. Um, yeah, like technology, man. And I remember like the first iPod video, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. And the office was the first video that they promoted. So it was, oh, yeah. uh, the, it was a Christmas episode too. So how about that? Perfect That's timing. Look at that. Look at that. And huge office nerd. So you know these silly things. Um, one of my favorite things I was wondering too, um, yeah. whether or not you were going to, uh, whether or not you were going to have an, a track with your son. And I was like, that's amazing. So oh, yeah. or not with, but I mean about your son. So I'm like, I was like, that's amazing. Awesome. So you have yeah. one named Atlas track 11. So that's yeah, awesome. I had to do it. I had to do it. That was a, yeah. And it had to be pop punk, high energy, fun song yes. about being oh, fearless, yeah. you know, yes. fearless that he was going to be okay. Yeah. It's like, you got this, man. You got this. Yeah. So that's awesome. Um, so the album comes out December 17th. Where can everybody find it? Oh, wow. Great question. It's everywhere. It's available everywhere. Um, if you go to mclars.net, that's where you can get a physical copy. The vinyl will be out in the spring, but it'll be on Spotify, wherever you listen to music. Okay. Um, that's what's up. Yeah. Wow. So check it out on every, every platform. And we're doing a video for, like I said, for the um, Finite Jess song. So nice. keep your eyes peeled. Definitely. And where can people follow you on the interwebs? <laughs> I'm at MC Lars on Twitter, MC underscore Lars on Instagram. And um, yeah, I'm on Patreon. That's a, that's a super helpful. If anyone yes. wants to sign up, I do two new songs a month. And to which I am a part of. So please do that. Thank you, it's, Jeff. Yes, You're a of good course. Man. man, I try to be. I try. <laughs> and you know what? I thank you again for joining us on here. That's really uh, means a lot to me that you were able to do this. So. You're a good host. You have very oh. thoughtful questions. Oh, I don't know about all that, but I appreciate it. I'll take <laughs> I'll take compliments any way I can. <laughs> so that's um, what's up. Awesome.